So welcome to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network show with Tracy Bloom featuring books, kids, and creations. And with this podcast, we talk about people of all kinds, ages, backgrounds, you name it, who are inspiring kids and uplifting kids through their work. And today I have the privilege of featuring Victoria Morgan, who is the Artistic Director for the Cincinnati Ballet. And thank you, Victoria, for being here. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So um, growing up, I'm from Cincinnati, and my parents used to always take us to the ballet when we were little. And it's one of my, I feel like it's one of my memories as a child, always watching the Nutcracker and always watching these very moving pieces. And, you know, there's always so many things that go into creating a production, I'm sure. So as far as bringing a production to life, can you talk about maybe some of the things that go into that and your numerous roles that you play with the Cincinnati Ballet? Yeah, I mean, when you put together a production like the Nutcracker, it's so uh, multi-tiered and layered. You know, you've got the young academy students. There's uh, in our version, there's about 80 young students in the performance. And so, um, there's, you know, organizing the choreography that's appropriate to them and engaging them in a way that feels exciting to them. And also it's wonderful because they get to rub shoulders with, you know, the prima ballerinas and the professionals and they get to see their example and they get to see how hard they work. And, um, and so I think the Nutcracker really is a special animal for kids. And so I created this Nutcracker back in 2011 and often the versions I've seen have a lot of formality about it. Like instead of just ripping open presents, like what we did in my house on Christmas morning, there's a very sort of stately orderly dance where they go up, they take the present and they go away and then they do a special dance to take the present and go away. And I, I really wanted something that was playful and fun and full of mischief and I actually really used the personalities of those young performers to create most of the crazy stuff that you see going on. There's a lot of magic tricks, there's flying, there's all kinds of surprises and unexpected things. There's a little poodle in it that everybody's fallen in love with and um, sort of based on this. Oh, yay! <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, and I think that I hadn't actually worked with kids very much, but one, but what I learned is um, they're just so game. I, something happens to us when we get older. I feel like, you know, we get proper and uh, we get a little more concerned about things, about how we're presented, but, and, and it's not that I don't know about kids, but honestly, I, I hadn't worked with young children for a very long time, if ever, maybe, because um, I don't have my own. But I'm in the studio with those kids, and they are so spontaneous, and they're so curious, and they're making each other laugh, and they're entertaining. I have a hard time, that balance between discipline and go ahead and entertain me. <laughs> it was really fun. 
it's really fun to be with them. Yeah. And so you also began as a dancer, right? You had, you know, your upbringing in dance. And I know you were in Utah for a little bit and then San Francisco for a bit. How did you come into your position with the Cincinnati Ballet? And how did you make that transition from dancing into a role of creativity? Yeah. Yeah, you know what, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the art form itself, because I think it's really connected to kids, and then I'll go into that, that you just asked, but I just linked it. Um, I feel that, you know, everyone has different things, different talents, different orientation, different smarts, different beauty, um, different creativity, and sometimes it's something like playing the violin or a guitar or learning to dance. And for me, I, I was raised in a really uh, very, very conservative community, a Mormon community. I have nothing against the religion, but there was my mother was very quiet, obedient kind of woman. And I learned that I really should not talk and I shouldn't disagree and I shouldn't raise my voice. And so it's a little bit crazy making when you don't have a way to express what you're actually feeling. And I found that I was... I was um, strong in the studio. And I say that because, you know, the technique is hard. And so you fight for the technique and you fight to get that turnout and to get that extension and to make that extra pirouette. And I didn't know that I was actually even worthy of a fight. I, I didn't know that, um, that I could tell my story through movement and that I didn't have to talk. Like this just so um, just deathly shy. And um, and I, I just feel like it led it led the way for me. I, I I created this sort of nucleus that was a really important part of a support system for me in a way, even though I moved different places and had different husbands and you know, I had, and now I've had different careers. There's always kind of been this nucleus. And I think that this art form really changes change lives. lives. The ability to feel your body, understand it, uh, recognize the potential power of it, recognize the um, sense of having music in your body and how that frees you and how that makes you able to speak. And I, again, I watch some of these young kids, like in our Cincy dance classes, which is a, a class for young students. Um, we're in about 33 schools. It's mostly Title I supported schools. We have about 2,000 students. And you just, you just see this, this wonderful wildness, and then you see how it gets tamed. And not, not that you take it away, but you learn to use it in a different way. Um, so I think when we're talking about young people, I feel that this art form is is huge as um, a teacher of discipline, a teacher of um, social learning to be with others, a, a teacher of uh, connecting to your body and learning to respect it and, and honor it, and um, a teacher of that there's more ways to speak, you know, besides words, there are other ways to I, yeah, I'm crazy about the art form, and it's always been a priority for me. Uh, we have very strong academy, and we have a very strong um, community engagement and outreach program. And 
I, I really feel, um, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but if more people really just dance because it, it's honest and you can't lie about <laughs> how you're moving, you just, you, you just have a sense of escape a bit because you can't learn a step. Your head goes this way, your arm goes that way, and now you're going to swing over this way. You can't learn that and be thinking about anything else. It's like a meditation in a way. And it's a really good way to focus your mind, especially if you're a hyperactive child like I was. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, a lot of young people will probably watch this interviews that you give. And I, I feel that, that dance is huge, could be a huge part of a young person's life. It really truly was for me. And so we have a mission at Cincinnati Ballet. That's wonderful. And I love that, you know, like you said, it's very meditative and it helps kids to learn important lessons of, you know, controlling their emotions, controlling all these things and learning a discipline. And also the kind of moving past the stigma that it's not just for girls, there's boys involved too and, and bringing people together. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I know. I feel like it, it is magical. And, um, I, I feel that I, I've had this kind of crazy philosophy that everybody should dance on some level. Maybe it's your child that goes to the academy, or maybe you are involved with social causes and you recognize how movement in a young person's life can really change their sense of confidence, how they stand up straight, how they walk into a room. Some of just really basic things that can change how you present yourself and how you feel about yourself. There's always that interesting story about, is it, do you just put on this feeling of confidence? Do you put it on or do you find it inside and have it radiate out? And I think so it's a kind of a combination of both. Um, I think dance, you find it inside and you let it radiate out um, and, and you recognize because it's physical. Sometimes I feel like with the mental process, it's hard to really understand that you've made progress, but in a physical art form, you feel your body change. You just physically feel it change. You feel new power. You feel like you got that pirouette because why? Because, you know, your back is engaged and you you feel the, the power of the jump and you, you know, like it, it registers because it is physical. It's real. You can, um, you touch, you can touch it and know that it's real. And sometimes thoughts, it, they're hard to touch. And so this art form has that, um, that sort of almost pragmatic way of helping us understand that we can advance, that we can progress, that we can get better, that our lives can change. And when it's changing in that physical way, it just registers, I think, in a little more obviously, especially for a young person. Yeah. And, and the Cincinnati Ballet does a lot with um, local schools too. You do performances at local schools. Is that part of um, the second company that does that? Yeah, so we have a second company. We also have a group of professional trainees and they're regional, Young Dancers Regional and also national. They come to us from across the country. And so we go into schools, of course, with COVID, it's been a little bit different. We haven't been able to do that as much, 
but we we do we go into the schools we teach them about a day in the life of a dancer so many young people can't even imagine oh wow you can actually dance for a living it, you know it's like almost incomprehensible but it's true you can you can dance for a living and it's such a rush it's a rush of a profession i mean there's just nothing like you know uh feeling the sort of the roar of the crowd and and you've got these you know 50 musicians and they're playing crazy and it's filling your body with music and spontaneity and you know you you're you're just going beyond where you thought you could it's like uh being at the olympics you know because you do things that wow i can't believe i actually did that there but it's part of you're in the rush and you're in the adrenaline adrenaline of it and so you're able to go beyond and um yeah it's it's a pretty heady kind of but we are we are in schools we're in almost every single third grade class in the public school system um and we also uh work a lot with children's hospital when it comes to young people with special needs we um have special classes for down syndrome and cerebral palsy and in our new building which i'm really amped about I, i'd love just to talk about that for a second Ooh. there is one there's one studio in there um it is our community studio the auto embodied community studio and it has tracks on the ceiling and so young people and and i imagine anybody who has been wheelchair bound who has not been able to have the sensation of you know um being being up on their feet so they put on the harness it's connected to a track and with very little effort they're able to move through space oh. and so there's also tracks that pass each other and and so you can actually you can dance with somebody else you can move with somebody else and i i mean we're the only ballet company i know of in the country that has made you know this this kind of way of thinking about movement a priority like let's get it into the lives of those people who really need it um and i i've i've seen you know videos of it i've seen how it works and it sort of makes you you cry to yeah <laughs> to imagine it's beautiful that, it's you know, it sounds people. just so beautiful and magical and like what an experience and so i mean that's that's so cool that you guys are doing that yeah it's an important part of our mission an important part of what we do uh there are you know this art form is kind of magical and to use it in ways that really um influences change and and productivity uh it's 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 good <laughs> i'm crazy about it you notice that but it's okay <laughs> well, i like that you know it's also moving toward inclusive including everybody you know this yeah. everything that you've talked about just in the past few minutes you know teaching children important lessons life lessons that they might not even realize that you're teaching at the moment but that and then including everybody and giving people new experiences and i mean these are just wonderful things that you're doing and you're making all these wonderful changes in the world and um you know and i'm sure that 
that is probably what makes your job so great is because you get to be a part of all these great things. But um, is there, I, I guess if you had to pick something that would be your favorite part of your job, what, what would it be? <laughs> um, you know what? I think it would be, uh, I love watching our dancers change. I love watching them take on a really tough technical role and watching them fight for it and then watching them succeed at it. And sometimes even they don't succeed, but the fight is so moving. I love, um, you know, them finding a new way of speaking through the art form. I love seeing a new sense of musicality, of sort of understanding in a way, you know, it, it, the art form is a little bit cruel because it's, it's short. Uh, typically, they, us dancers, we retire when we're 35, 36. And so you spend all these years training. And after at least 10 years of training, you finally get into a company. And you're young and you're raw. You're in your early 20s. And you haven't really had life experiences. So in some ways, it's hard to know how to portray and how to uh, talk about this life through movement because maybe you haven't had those experience, those experiences to talk about. And then you get those experiences and you're in your thirties and it's time to retire. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a certain uh, brutality about it. Yeah. And, and yet uh, at the same time, I, I personally just can't imagine having not done that. I have no idea who I would be. I have no idea um, how I would have found a sense of, you know, meaning about life because surely when you're doing it, you, you have that, you know, it's immediate and we're, we're, and it's ephemeral. It happens in that second and then it's gone. And, um, and, and so in that way, and also it's gone early because it's short and you can't, it's difficult to pat to dance past the time when you're 35 or 36, but like you say, you don't even realize how it feeds you and how it comes into your life in ways that are different. Like really when I retired, I thought, oh, I'm, this is terrible. I, it, it's horrible. I felt really left out. I felt like it had the art form had abandoned me. You know, ballet, I was with San Francisco Ballet and the ballet masters were already there and in place. and. I didn't know where I was going to be able to go. And I became a real estate agent and I became um, an event planner at a big accounting company on the 26th floor downtown San Francisco. And, um, and I, you know, I realized that uh, dancers, they're used to getting up and you work, you get up and you work hard. You go to that ballet class, you do those rehearsals and it's six hours of rehearsals. And then, you know, you go home, you take care of your body, you take an Epsom salts bath and you think about the things you learned and you try to come prepared the next day. And so many things about this art form, you don't even realize that it's going to, it's going to serve you in other, other areas, other things you decide to do. It's going to be a part of your life and it's going to keep rewarding you, even though you're not still a professional. Or frankly, I feel 
I feel that those who don't even become a professional, that they just learn about the art form, that there's a, a lot of richness in that that gets carried forward in your career. Wow. Yeah. And I like, I like how everything just seems like, um, you know, all these little pieces of, of everything that you've done in your life, it all comes together into the person that you are today and, and all the wonderful things that you're doing. It's, it's really, it's really neat to see how everything kind of came together and, and, you know, you were kind of devastated by not being, you know, after 35, but that now look at you. I mean, you're one of um, very few female um, directors for a ballet company. And I, I mean, how, how does that, um, I guess, make you feel as far as being one of the only female directors of a, a ballet company? Well, it's uh, sitting in the room with a lot of other guys <laughs> often, you know, we have a, a, a dance service organization called Dance USA. So all the artistic directors and executive directors from around the country, maybe a couple of times a year, all come together to talk about the art form, to talk about what works, what's not working. We share ideas with each other and it's getting better for sure. I used to be really, there was me and one other woman in the room for a really long time. Hmm. And just fairly recently, Lourdes Lopez became artistic director of Miami Ballet. Julie Kent became artistic director of Washington Ballet. And Susan Jaffe just barely became director of the Pittsburgh Ballet. So we're starting to see the shift. It's a long time in coming. Um, and certainly we still have issues with female choreographers. There aren't enough of them out there. I feel strongly, personally, that a woman's voice needs to be in the conversation, especially in in the art form of dance. It's ironic that we have 20 young students in the class and there'll be one guy, but that guy will be the artistic director or the choreographer, typically. So we're, we're, we're putting a big effort. I would say a lot of the women um, who have the ability to make changes and to um, incorporate the value of bringing women into this particular type of leadership. It's starting to happen. Um, we're far from 50-50, but um, it's changing slowly. But it's been a huge part of my philosophy, actually. I've put a big focus on supporting women and bringing them forward. I, in my early years, I would do one whole series that was only female choreographers. And then I started feeling, well, that's segregation in a way too. So then I started infusing the whole year with women choreographers. And I, was, I you know, made this determination. I want to at least have it 50-50 and sometimes I get to go a little beyond 50 for the women and sometimes I go a little below, but it, you know, it, it's just interesting. Men have a way of being quite aggressive and I get stuff's coming at me all the time. And, and often, you know, men are very comfortable putting themselves out there and saying, look at this and look at me. And, and I, I've had to seek women out and say, what are you going to do? And where is your voice? And why would you not want to do this? You've got a wonderful skill or talent. Usually I've seen some early work that they've done. And 
So yeah, it's been it's been a big focus of mine, and I really would love to see 50-50 just yeah. across the charts. <laughs> yeah, and this last year, I know that you know everybody had to come up with new ways to do things with COVID. Um, I know that the Cincinnati Ballet had to overcome a lot as well. So um, what are some of the key things that you had to um, creatively navigate over the last year? Oh, it's been intense for sure. I mean, at first, you know, we were all ready. We were doing final run-throughs. It was the week before production week. We were doing the, the dress on Friday night before we go into the Monday production week. And then that was the close down. So then it closed down and we canceled that performance and we thought, oh, maybe we can do it a little bit later. But then we had to cancel the one after and then we tried to postpone it, but then we had to cancel that one. And then we had to try and cancel the very first show that we had scheduled. Then we, we thought, okay, we're going to make it an outdoor performance. And so that was part of our very early initiative about what we wanted to do. And I, I give our HR person, um, Tiffany Whitcomb, full credit for working very closely with the Dancers ACMA Union to come up with the protocols. And the protocols were strict. I felt like this, like, oh, <laughs> so much of the time. And yet at the same time, I know without those protocols, we never would have been able to do what we we're able to do. I mean, ironically, we've been able to continue to perform. Everybody's got masks on. Everybody's six feet apart, unless you're cohabitating. And then eventually we got to, you can have one other person, you know, partnered near you, but everybody else is six feet away. And so there's unique choreography. There's not much choreography that follows those kind of protocols. So we were inventing work all the time and calling on each other and ourselves and maybe another company that had put together something because it's unique. It's, it's we haven't experienced COVID before. And so these protocols, you know, and, and all the dancers are in pods. They're all in very particular studios. They're all in with very specific ballet masters that don't cross over. And we're still being very careful about it. We're still uh, following those protocols until we really feel like it's safe. Um, so and and it's worked. I mean, we have been very safe. It's incredible that we've been able to do it. And we even, we had a, a, a wonderful band, the Hot Club of Milford, this jazz band. And, um, you know, we thought live music, oh, we're dying for it. We haven't had live music. It's just, you know, a few musicians, maybe six or seven musicians. Can we, yes, surely we can do it. And, and they were like the, the protocol uh, police were against it, but they came up with an idea where we put these musicians in a whole completely separate room and we broadcasted them onto either side of the stage. So the audience could actually see them playing, even though they weren't anywhere near them or us. And um, so we've had to be really creative, but we've, we've done it. And we've done a one hour nutcracker. We did a filming with channel five and, it was sort of ironic to me because it was really modified. Usually we have something like 40 people in act one and we had 12 company people. And so it was a little bit sparse and ironically, you know, something like 130,000 people saw it. <laughs> and typically with our nutcracker, 25 to 30,000 people see it. So 
you know, like there was a lot more exposure than ironic, you know, here we are in COVID, but more exposure than ever. So we've, you know, we've been creative and we're going to keep, we're, we're staying on the straight and narrow till we're feeling, till we feel really secure about making a change. Yeah. So I guess for the coming year, this year, is there anything, well, besides your new building that's coming up, that's super exciting. Um, is there anything on the horizon that you're, you're excited about or any new plan? Yeah. Well, there's some, I mean, it's premature cause I, um, they're still working on the budget and things seem to pivot and shift. You think you're going one direction. Now you end up going another direction. I'm really actually seriously hoping that it'll open up a little bit more and I'll have a little more freedom to be able to, you know, dance in groupings of people. Um, we're not quite there yet, but I, I really, you know, we're bringing in some new choreographers. We've never had a Mark Morris. I don't know if you've ever heard his name. He's probably the top contemporary choreographer, his company. Um, we're for the first time doing a piece of his two guys. I mean, it's a small piece, but nonetheless, it is a piece of his. And, um, and, you know, we've got, I, I feel like we're, we're able to um, bring forward. And, and, and the other thing is, I guess I'm kind of skipping around, but you know, it's, we're all in a budget issue. We're all like, okay, what do you, who are you? What do you mean when you don't have an audience as a performing arts organization? How does that work? How does it work when you don't have that revenue? Um, and so the choreographers actually, who we didn't have access to before, are, are being quite generous about opening doors to help us access them. So in some ways, it's also been kind of an amazing story of being able to mm, bring in some wonderful choreography um, or talent still all within the protocols. Um, so, yeah, is there one thing I'm excited about? I, I can't, I think I can't tell you because we haven't made our announcement yet, but trust me, it's going to be good whether yeah. it's protocol or not plan A or plan B. Yeah. It seems like whatever it is, you guys are finding really, really cool and creative ways to open new doors, to navigate new, new projects and new ways of producing that you haven't before. And, and in turn, inspiring more people, which is, which is really important. And I'm sure that even the viewers that might not have seen you in person in Cincinnati, now people all over the planet, you know, could see your productions. And I just think that's so cool. I know. And it's been great, a great education for our dancers too, because ironically think of this, they take classes from myself and my ballet masters, our ballet masters, but now they get to take class with the ballet master of the Royal Ballet wow. in London. They get to take classes with uh, some of the top Russian teachers mm -hmm. with the Bolshoi. They get to take classes with the Netherlands, um, Netherlands Dance Theater, or you get to see pieces um, that you would not get to see. I, I got to see 
some Christopher Wilden, who's a famous choreographer in our art form. And, you know, I, I don't always get to go to New York. I don't always get to see that work. But I saw phenomenal stuff from the Joffrey Ballet, from San Francisco Ballet, from New York City Ballet, and for, from international ballet companies, Australian Ballet. Um, and I, I, I know that it would, I, would I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I'm inspired on many levels for that, frustrated on other levels for other reasons, but yeah. it hasn't been all all negative. Right. Well, that's, it's amazing. I think that a lot of people over the last year, I mean, there's definitely been some hardships, but I think people are finding, you know, even just the little things like, um, I learned to bake bread. <laughs> you know, just like well, the little things like, you know, I learned how to bake bread. You like to bake bread. Isn't that wonderful? I never knew that um, I could sleep seven hours a night and feel so much better. <laughs> I, I just never did that. <laughs> right, right, you know, and so it's like all these little things where you're like, oh, you know, I have all this time to myself and you get to, like you say, you can look at classes online and you can look at, you know, things that you normally wouldn't take time to do or have time to do. And a lot of people are opening their doors and their worlds to um, offer experiences. And so that's really neat that You've also, you know, taken part in some of that too. I know I've loved that part of it for sure. <laughs> and there was, so there was something that I was, so I was looking at videos online of uh, Cincinnati Ballet and I saw there was a production that just looked so much fun where there were these white powdery wigs and they're <laughs> all over. And I went, that looks like fun. I would go and, I mean, I would love to go sit and watch that, but um, yeah. That's a great little piece. It's a, by a very, very famous choreographer, uh, Yuri Killian. Um, it's called Sextanza, and it is utterly hysterical. It's really hard to do, and it's only like 13 minutes long, and it's just killer and hysterical. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I love that piece too. It just looked like so much fun. So, you know, I, I appreciated that it was there for me to watch online, but you know, at some point, I can't wait to be able to just sit there and take in watching a live production. And I'm sure you're excited about it, too. Um, and I, uh, I appreciate all that you do and all that you're doing to inspire future generations and all the work that you do with, you know, the Children's Hospital and also with, you know, Cincinnati Public Schools and performing for the little ones. I just think it's so neat. Everything that you and, you know, everyone that's a part of your company is doing so thank you Tracy thank you so much it's such a pleasure to be with you thank you well um I I guess that is it for our interview tonight and I would thank you so much for being here and um until next time uh we see the Cincinnati Ballet live on stage or otherwise um yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah coming up I know. I'm feeling good about it. I just got yes. my second shot. I'm yes. really ready for that to happen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Victoria. Okay. Bye. Bye.